Thank you for joining Associated Luxury Hotels International for this episode of Beyond the Meeting Room. Beyond the Meeting Room is hosted by Alhai's president and CEO, Michael Dominguez. Each episode, Alhai shares candid conversations on a variety of topics to enhance your personal and professional life. Today's episode is brought to you by Intercontinental Miami, located at the crossroads of Miami's business and arts districts. Known as the Bayfront Icon, the luxurious 34-story hotel provides breathtaking panoramic views and is currently undergoing a $36 million transformation, bringing reimagined luxury to vibrant and trendy Miami. In today's episode, we are joined by Jane Park, founder and CEO of Toki, a company on a mission to ignite joy through gifting. Jane is a nationally recognized expert in consumer brand building, social commerce, and entrepreneurship. Her conversation with Mike is uplifting and inspiring, touching on ways to escape into the now while strategically shifting your mindset to find who you're meant to be. They discuss how connection is universal, resilience is a team sport, and that ultimately the ability to find meaning and purpose in life lies within each of us. Good morning, Jane, and welcome to Beyond the Meeting Room. Uh, we are so glad you took the time to join us on our podcast, and I'm really excited about the conversation. As we were just talking about a minute ago, you know, the we get to know each other uh, outside before we have these conversations, and it's a great opportunity to continue the dialogue and get and get our audience and a broader audience to get to know you a little bit more. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know it's early in New York. It's early here in uh, Texas, but uh, we're glad you can make it. Well, it's all, even earlier here in Seattle. But oh, that's excited. right. <laughs> okay, I, I'm apologizing now. I'm so sorry. It's no, like oh, I that's... love it. It's great. Um, yeah. it's so light out here, and I am thrilled to be here. So I would, you know, have woken up earlier to be with you, Mike. Oh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I, I always forget about the West Coast time. I do that to my people <laughs> all the time. Um, I, I actually moved a meeting not too long ago because I'm like, okay, she does not have to be on a call at six in the morning. <laughs> Even an hour makes a difference at that point. Uh, but th- thanks for joining us. Uh, I-, I can tell you, first, it was just such a pleasure to get to know you and, and to meet you um, when you were with us at our Executive Women in Leadership program. Um, but your story was fascinating. And I- I'm always fascinated at people that not only can build a business, sell a business, build another business, uh, that process, the idea, you know, where it comes from, because I, I doubt when you sold your first business, you were sitting there going, okay, I got another business in my, and, and that's not the way it works yet. I think people think it does. Um, and what I took away from you was a story of really uh, a combination of hard work and resilience that I think sometimes people forget, you know, when you're successful in whatever enterprise you're doing or whatever you're doing, I think sometimes people think it just came. Um, and we sometimes forget all the hard work that goes into it. But can, can you talk uh, a little bit about, let, let's start with your first business and to, to let the audience know about that. Um, I thought it was fascinating when you talked about it selling and and where your care was and where your concern was during that sell. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I was working at Starbucks in the innovation group at the time when I left to start Julep. And the original idea was actually a the Starbucks of nail parlors. So I wanted to have a business where the women who worked in the category had access to healthcare the same way that Starbucks 
provided at the very beginning and uh, also a place for people to gather, right? I was trying to entertain my clients and it was sort of, we could go to a basketball game and none of us were super interested. I'm sorry for all the fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> yeah, sports bars, like where can yeah. women go to have this sort of third place connection experience? And I used to take people to spas, but one time I held a little gathering and we were shushed and told to use our spa voices. Yeah. And so I, uh, I started this business and it's funny how sometimes the most obvious stereotype is not in front of your face. So I am Korean American, my uh, parents are immigrants. And so when I told them that I was leaving my corporate safe job. And they thought I was a lawyer. Like I, I got a lot of, <laughs> I haven't been practicing for actually, I only practiced for nine months, <laughs> much less time than I spent in actually in law school. But when I told them I was leaving to start this nail business, they said, Oh no, another Korean person starting a nail business. <laughs> what would we tell our friends? We told them all that you were a lawyer. <laughs> and, That's uh, brilliant. I, really hadn't thought about it that way. And they cried and they said, you know, it's really important for us that you're a professional. And it was, uh, it was a long time to get them to understand what this was about. And I didn't even know that I was going to do that. You know, they having run businesses their whole lives, they really did not want me to be running a business because they understood how hard that was. And I didn't know that I was going to go back to that. It's not like when you are growing up, you have a sense of this is what it looks like. Everything that I do as an entrepreneur is for the first time. You know, you don't know how to sign a lease. You don't know how to raise money. You don't know how to find a lawyer. You don't know how to design a building where they ask you, where does a light switch go, Jane? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, it was an exciting experience. And, you know, along the way, just raising capital is such a hard thing, especially yeah. for women. So it's hard for everyone, but only, you know, 1.8% of venture capital goes to women run businesses. And that has imp impacts down the road. So it means that angel money isn't as available to women because they know that VC money isn't as available to women. So along right. the whole spectrum, you have these challenges. And I was one of the lucky few. I didn't really see it at the time. I don't think I knew the statistic because maybe I would have been more discouraged <laughs> then. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was an exciting ride. Um, and uh, and you know, I started my chat with your group um, the other day talking about what it was like to sell it and then to feel like I didn't have that identity. Right. Uh, so I was Jane P at julep.com for a decade. And <laughs> the culture that we built there, I know that you care about this a lot, Mike. And that was some of the most important pieces to me that I can still run into people years later and they can say that was a really special work environment. Right. And uh, I, I thought it at the time, but it's been reinforced more in retrospect as I run into our extended family. Actually, I was just getting on this call thinking I want to host a reunion this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it, I think it is yeah. because of my, my background and watching my parents, uh, despite the fact yeah. that they were really sad about me jumping into entrepreneurship, 
in a way, it was sort of watching how they built a life. Um, so kind of going back a little bit, my dad was uh, an orphan. He was walking home from school one day in uh, Korea when the border between North and South Korea went up. So this is something that people don't really realize. Right. Like, borders go up, they don't tell people in advance, right? They just uh, have a checkpoint that hardens into an, an uncrossable border. And so he, at the age of nine, never saw his parents again because his school was on the south side. He was walking home and his home was on the north. And he, uh, you know, had to kind of be scrappy from, from then on and teach himself English. He sort of made himself useful. And uh, it, it was a whole life that he built, just trying new things and entrepreneuring his life in a way, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> before he was ever an entrepreneur. And, you know, they immigrated and had a series of businesses. We moved maybe about 10 times when I was young. So we immigrated when I was four. Um, and uh, every year we lived in a slightly better apartment right. and we had slightly better things. And so I lived a life where I believed in better. And I think hmm. that is the core of being an entrepreneur is that for me, it's about trying to achieve better. Uh, and and not perfection, because if you are a perfectionist, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> but if you believe that you can do something better tomorrow right. than you did today, I think that is the impetus that has propelled me in both of my businesses. Oh, my God. You know, it's funny because I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we, we have a little bit of a philosophy here in a mantra, and it's all about pounding the rock. And you'll hear our team talk about pounding the rock. And it actually is a uh, it, it's a mantra that I stole uh, from my 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 beloved San Antonio Spurs and and it is in their culture. It is the only thing that sits in their locker room and it's uh, it's a story by Jacob Reese who of all things was a 1920s immigrant rights activist and uh, it's a story of Ode to the Stonecutter and it says when all hope fails I think of a stonecutter hammering away at a stone more than a hundred mm -hmm. times with no success and on the hundred and first strike the stone will split. And I know it's the hundred strikes before it that split the stone. And the mantra of pounding the rock is what you just described. Are we better today than we were yesterday? Because we're just yeah. pounding the rock and eventually it will split, but it's small. And, and what you just said, Jane, I, I don't think enough people celebrate the progress. They, they only celebrate the outcome. They don't celebrate the journey and the progress. And we're making, we're making inroads to, to where we want to go. Um, and, and it's what you just said. I think that's a miserable way to live. Um, yeah, and I think that that to build on that, it's really about enjoying the pounding yeah. of the rock. Like uh, I always say, I get to pound the rock. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's uh, that part is 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 and finding yourself locating yourself in the moment and saying it is my life right now. So when I was building my first company, I really thought that I had to sacrifice everything today in order to achieve the goal of building this bigger company and having some moment in the future. So my life was always in the future. It wasn't yeah. about now. And that's why I didn't take care of my health. I you know, didn't drink that much water because I didn't want to take the time to go to the bathroom. I mean, how ridiculous is that, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I, what I'm doing is so important that I can't even spare a minute for you know basic necessities. So that was such a different mindset than today when I'm building Toki. I really think about it like 
I get to do this because I have this idea of the future. So I turned it around and said, how can I enjoy today? And wow, look at what I get to do today. Today, I get to talk to Mike Dominguez because <laughs> I have this story and this this whole endeavor that I'm working on. So if you think about the future powering today, I think that is such a more powerful experience. And then I look back and I think, am I growing this company less quickly? Is there anything that's happening that is a less positive outcome? And I don't think so. I think there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of work that goes comes from anxiety yeah. that I am skipping through today. Yeah, and, and it, it's pressure we put on ourselves. You know, I always, I always uh, sometimes remind my team, it's like, I didn't put that pressure on you. You know, you're putting it on ourselves. And I think really strong achievers and people that are focused, that tends to happen. Uh, to your point, it's the perfection. And uh, there, there, there's a couple of things he said. Uh, Steve Harvey has this great uh, quote. And, you know, Steve Harvey, before the family feud, he was always talking that he has all these clips where he that people film him where he's talking to the audience. And it's very spiritual in nature. It's very life thinking in nature, but he actually says that he says, you know, to, to start to be happy and enjoy today, you need to change. I have to, to, I get to, and it's what you it's, just said. It's, it's an opportunity. Powerful, yeah. It's the most powerful mindset shift that, uh, especially when you're choosing things like entrepreneurship, it is really, uh, important to kind of keep that in mind because every day is hard. I mean, maybe it's true for everyone. Like every day yeah. is hard. And how do we build our confidence that we are strong enough to, you know, to to make things better, to sort of have uh, to become more of who we're meant to be? I think the 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 more I think about what purpose and meaning is about, to me, I define it as being more of who you're meant to be. So not right. some end goal of you know financial success or. Uh, you know, if if you're if you're locked in in uh, endeavor project where you get to become more of who you're meant to be, that feels like the right goal. And there's a leap of faith because you have to believe that who you're meant to be is good. <laughs> so <that's laughs> worthiness that has yeah. to it, uh, that has to exist that it, it requires that and without evidence maybe right maybe there isn't a sense of you know is what i am good enough to be uh something that is worth working on in the world and yeah. so there has to be that leap of faith first but once you take that leap then working on that um i love this idea of that we are not uh growing sort of appendages, right? I used to think that I was going to grow wings and <laughs> run faster and, you know, be on a machine and be able to, you know, time travel, whatever it is. Like it was appendages that I wanted to add to me. Right. And that whole Michelangelo idea of you are inside and you're excavating, you're cutting away the stone, you're, you're getting rid of the excess in order to truly reveal who you are. I, I love that. It's, you know, it's the the whole concept of being the best version of yourself. And hopefully today is a better version than yesterday. And yeah. tomorrow will be a little bit better than today. And it, it is that progression. And I, I love your, you, you've mentioned the word mindset. Um, uh, what, one of the things I'm involved in, it's the National Federation in Teaching Entrepreneurship. <laughs> and, it, and, and it's working with at-risk kids in high school. And it's teaching them, it, they, these, these kids may never own a business but it's teaching them that the things it takes 
to start a business, run a business, own a business are the same things that will get you through life. It's it's being able to deal with, and I, I talked about resilience because I know that that was a theme that you talked about often because it doesn't always go right. Um, you know, yesterday, and I will tell you, you know why I love my industry? I have my entire day planned out and it is shot to hell by 9 a.m. <laughs> and, and I love that. That that gets me going. It doesn't stress me out. And I think that's where I'm a really good fit for my role because I, when it comes at me, Jane, I, I only look at it one way. We got to deal with it. So how are we going to deal with it? Yeah, I, 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 think, yes. I, I don't go down rabbit holes. I, I, I'm not that way. I'm just like, <laughs> deal with it because it's right there. Yeah. And I think that the, uh, the other thing about uh, sort of that, that mindset is having the confidence and, and, and expecting that that is the way life is. Right. I think I used to think that, oh, wow. Like I didn't even speak the language when we first immigrated. And I remember being in kindergarten and not being able to ask for how to go to the bathroom. You know, it was just uh, that is such a different experience. Uh, I always tell people that my parents still think that I speak English with an accent. They're like, people can tell that you weren't born here. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm very fluent, but they yes. don't really believe me about that. Uh, but, um, you know, I used to think that things would get easier as I got more experienced. And now I realize that as you gain more experience, you get to understand life in a different way Mm -hmm. and so it's not that that expectation of everything being easy like I thought when I'm older and financially secure it'll just be like you know a knife through chocolate it'll be super easy and uh and there are not just different kinds of challenges that come up in every stage of your life uh but it is also that you see the world differently and you're able to absorb uh, things differently. And, and, uh, and so being able to think of yourself as someone who can, you know, throw anything at me and I yeah. can handle it. Uh, that confidence is the core of resilience. And how do you every day think about how do I invest in myself so that I have that confidence? Cause I'm pretty sure that things are going to be flow, you know, throwing thrown at us in all the different ways, right? Those kids are, the entrepreneurs are, we are, uh, it's why I sort of talk about whether you are an entrepreneur or not, I completely agree with you. It's about entrepreneuring your life. How do you think about yourself as a CEO of you and think about where you're headed and uh, how you're going to uh, build the resilience, build the team, build the board of advisors behind you so that you can address any challenge and feel confident that you can address any challenge. I, I love that CEO of you. Um, I actually, <laughs> actually, I did find one correlation. I got to point out. I, I think I know why you didn't drink water. You were traumatized that you didn't know how to get to a bathroom when you were little. So you didn't <laughs> want to go to a bathroom as an adult. But I, I, I think, I think I found the connection, Jane. I was paying attention. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is like free therapy. <laughs> That really did pop into my head. I go, I think it stuck with her. That's why she didn't want to go to the restroom when she got older. Um, I, I'm the opposite of the, by the way, I drink so much water. I am peeing all day. <laughs> it is one of those things. Like, and, and usually it's, um, I've got to start timing it because I'm back to back to back with calls sometimes. It's like, okay, I, I need two minutes because I have to take a break somewhere. <laughs> well, but, I love uh, that show, um, Shrinking. Have you seen yeah. 
right? Yeah. And how they're always carrying around the ginormous jugs of water. So <laughs> they're like Harrison Ford. <laughs> I know. Indiana Jones with this jug of water. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I I love the concept you, you you've talked about though. You, you know, um, there's a one of my favorite quotes is it's um I actually show it when I'm doing industry presentations because it's a it's a picture of John Lennon, but it's it's a quote from one of his songs, and it's like life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. <laughs> and I, I that is a great reminder for me that again, as I said earlier, that I've got it all planned out, and I know it's not going to look like that at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that quote too because it it reminds me that you know, sometimes when it feels really hard right now. So maybe not everybody is like you, Mike, and when things are coming at them, you know, you're like, let's go. But the days that you're feeling like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is a lot. Um, it is, it's an, it's an interesting thing to think about. It's not about escaping the moment because sometimes I think like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. I just need to, to take a break. I need to do something else. I need to get out of this. But actually the most amazing escape is into right now. So instead of trying to move my brain later or trying to make up some kind of escape, if I can just say where I should run away to is right here, which right. means to find your breath, to just, you know, to meditate, to go for a walk, uh, that, that the escape into the now is uh, a huge lesson that I didn't realize. Like we have such a powerful thing called our breath. And I, you know, I was really sort of um, very skeptical about this. Like when I had my first baby and they were trying to tell me to do Lamaze, I was like, this is BS. Like, <laughs> I can't help you with this pain. Like I actually just stopped going. I was completely skeptical. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing is that, I've tried escaping in other ways, you know, whether it's the um, extra glass of wine at night or it's the, you know, uh, all the things that you do to try to forget about the pain of right now. Right. And instead, if you can escape more into the right now and say, okay, you know, no matter what is happening, is the, is the sun out today? And I know you're a big fan of sunsets and sunrises. <laughs> You know, is there, what is the, what is the moment of joy I can find today is one of yeah. the most creative, powerful exercises we have as human beings that it's, it's about, you know, when you can stop and find a moment of joy, then it's like you are, you know, the, that you, that is being CEO of your life because you're creating your own vision of right now. Yeah, I, I am fascinated with, of course, sunrises, sunsets, uh, the the moon, the stars. Um, I, I'm always stopping looking at it. And and the interesting thing to me, and, and and I think probably the probably one of my coolest moments recently, because I I know you know that I'm always posting on a reel, a sunrise and a sunset every day when I can catch them. And my mother, of all things, was driving somewhere, and um, I'm. I'm full transparency she was driving to the casino so they're, they're going to the casino her and my dad and she takes a picture of the sunset as they're driving and she sends it mm -hmm. to me in a text and the cool moment for me was at that moment my mom was thinking of me and she looked at the sunset thinking of me because she knows how much I appreciate it and you know it's a simple message for me Jane that's my balance is that no matter what happened today 
the sun's going to rise, the sun's going to set, and I get to try to do it all over again tomorrow. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully I can do it a little better. That's my own messaging, by the way. But when I put that out to the universe, that is my reminder that no matter how bad you thought the day is, the, the universe just keeps going. And, and I read an article that I think was interesting when they said, if you put us into the entire, the entire existence of humanity, if you put your life, your, let's say we live to be a hundred years old. And if you put that life into the entire universe, it represents one day in time. Right. To, to remind you how little we are in this bigger picture. And yet we think it's the biggest ordeal. I, that that's where my head goes when I look at the universe, because I'm like, that is so beyond us and so beyond our comprehension on, on how it all fits together that it's like, that that's what should keep everybody humble. That, that yeah. that's how I look at it. But another perspective on what you're doing is I find it inspirational because I can see you, the yeah. super busy guy and that it's it's actually a creative act to find that joy in the day that yeah. it, it's it's you know it, it is what and maybe it's not the same for everyone maybe it's not the universe and but yeah. you found an inspiration that can happen every day and made it meaningful to you like that yeah. can happen all the time without you finding meaning in it you know and and for sure. other people it may be that thing or maybe something else it might be watching a leaf kind of come to life in spring or it could be you know just sort of uh uh the warmth of a walk i mean it could be anything but the point is we are creative human beings and once you can you know the most creative thing you can do you don't have to invent the iphone <laughs> you can, i think the most inspiring creative thing you can do is find joy no matter what and, and that's what you see when you see kids in war-torn areas, right? I mean, there's such yeah. a beautiful uh, uh, clip of a, a Ukrainian girl singing, Let It Go. Mm -hmm. And while it's poignant, it's also just the power of it is like, it's like you watching the sun. She is able to make joy in this crazy environment. And that is the, the fundamental, you know, creative enterprise that we all have within us if we can embrace it. I love that. And you, you mentioned the other thing that gives me inspiration is children, really young children and watching them to watch their innocence before society, parents and other kids start to jade them <laughs> on the world <laughs> because it's the realities of it. But when they're that little, it, the way they look at the world, the way they look at it, I, I have a one-year-old granddaughter and it amazes oh. me. She is never afraid of other children. Like we, we have this beautiful new library they built here in Frisco. And it, it really, not only is this massive library, it's almost a play zone for children. And to watch her as other kids are around and her fascinating, and all she wants to do is crawl to other kids and be <laughs> with other children. That innocence connection. that- She yeah. knows about connection. And, yeah. and, 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 uh, and little kids, the other amazing thing is how they- apply the frameworks they know to everything. So I remember my son asking me, you know, when he was three, like, mommy, you're putting me to bed, but who puts the son to bed? You know, this is like the, the idea that when you have a construct, you just try to put it on all these things and you don't understand the way the world works, but you understand something about your life and then you, you can kind of apply it everywhere. And I think that's, it's such a, uh, that creativity of trying to figure out the world and, and, 
how it makes sense together. It's such a fun thing to watch happen as, as vocabulary arises. And I do think that too about entrepreneurship and about us in our lives. How do we you know, apply, what frameworks do you have? What works for you? Where is it working and where are, might you be limited? Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, when am I thinking like, oh, who puts the sun to bed, which is sweet, but also, you know, uh, where I'm applying a construct I have, where uh, it, you know, there might be another way of seeing things like science. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Explain I, things differently. <laughs> I remember Robin Williams used to have this thing. He said that, you know, you, you would look at the Christians versus the science and how the earth was created. And he said, you know, that, you know, your, your Christians would say, no, God created the earth in seven days. And he's like, but couldn't it be science that when they talk about the Big Bang and how he created it? Yeah, you know, like they, they, they don't have to be complete opposites here. Yes. There, there could be, but, but but it's what you talk about. It's a different it's a different thought process. And I, I love um, the individuality of what you just mentioned. Um, I, I think at times people read a, a an inspirational book or they listen to an inspirational speaker and they try to apply it exactly what worked for that individual versus understanding the message is I need to figure out what works for me. What they were giving me was an example of yeah. what what grounds you, what gives you peace. Cause what gives you peace, Jane may not give me peace. You know, me, me looking at the sunsets and the sunrise and just <laughs> the sun, even when I'm walking through an airport and my life is crazy and I'm traveling all the time, I actually take shots because I pay attention to the sun now. Yeah. wherever it is when I see it. And it's that moment to kind of ground me to your point, ground me, connect me back to the world to say, I'm just a small part in this bigger, bigger play. And, and that's what keeps me from freaking out because I'm just a really <laughs> small part in, in this bigger play called life, you know, when it's all said and done. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think we put that pressure on ourselves sometimes. Exactly. I think also it's sort of um, the, the, the one thing I'd say is a, a, an exception to that everybody do, does things differently is that I think connection is, is universal. That that part, you know, I, I um, think a big part of resilience, I always say resilience is a team sport. It's not something you can manufacture by yourself. And I think we have this myth of the entrepreneur as being resilient mm -hmm. on her own, but actually it's really important. Um, I call it a shame buddy to have somebody you can talk to about the worst thing that you feel embarrassed about. And whether that is a friend or a therapist or someone who will just listen and hold space for you without judgment. I think is such a, an important part of being resilient. So, uh, you know, I don't know who who that might be in your life, Mike. <laughs> I do think it's, I think that's a pretty, uh, that's the only thing that I think is, is, is universal is that yeah. I love the Brene Brown idea that uh, shame can't survive the light of connection. Yeah. I, I, I could not agree more. And for somebody our entire existence as Alhai is face-to-face -face mm. and connection and bringing people together, which you experienced at Ewell. Um, I could not agree more. And I remember you talking about the shame buddy, which I, which I, um, I really appreciated because that was one of those takeaways that I heard from many, many people. <laughs> like that was an aha moment for them uh, to understand that. And, and I, I, I could not agree more on the uh, connection being universal uh, because I, I thank you because I should probably clarify. I, I meant finding whatever grounds you 
you know, is, is yes, sometimes yes, individualistic because yeah, yeah. some people say meditation works, yeah, uh, music. Works. Well, that, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. <laughs> that you, you got to find what works for you. Cause I don't know, every time I've meditated, I fall asleep and I don't know if that's the goal, <laughs> but, but that means I have relaxed, but I'm, yes. I'm the kind of person that can fall asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow. So if you tell me to shut everything down and focus on my breathing, I'm God. <laughs> until yeah. the bell goes off but, but I don't know if that's wrong <laughs> I, that's what I said I feel really good but that's then I just I, I gotta go to bed so I better do it before I go to bed uh timing's gonna matter but I love the you know because I I think there are some things that are universal I think connection and in that same theme of connection I've always thought music is universal um you know when we talk about all the division in society I, I love going to a concert and looking all these people all these people from different walks of life, different political backgrounds, <laughs> different religious thought processes, the, the different different origins, and yet we're all celebrating the same thing. We're there yeah. to celebrate the music and the artists. And to me, that's like a universal connector. And it goes back to your point of connection. And, and I personally think the world got so angry and so dysfunctional during COVID because we couldn't connect. I, I think that lack of human interaction gave us a lot of the social ills we experienced through that. And I'm starting to feel slightly starting to feel some normalcy where people are like, everybody calm down. <laughs> Let, let's start to have conversation again. Um, but but I really do think we, we're, we're going to reflect on this long down the road and look at the social impact that happened from us locking our way from society. And Jane, I, I still traveled through all of that because our hotel, we had hotels open in certain areas. And the one thing I remembered is what made the world so cold for me when I was traveling was everybody's wearing a mask. We lost smiles. We, we lost just, and when you don't smile and you're wearing a mask, I couldn't even get eye contact. Yeah. People, people would look down like, okay, we're afraid to look at anybody because we may, <laughs> we may infect them by looking at them. You know, that was the world we lived in. And I, I say that without criticism. I say that from a reflection standpoint that I think the world got so much warmer just where we could look at each other and smile and, you know, yeah. and laugh and enjoy it. I know I, it was uh, something during COVID why, uh, you know, my um, uh, friend and entrepreneur, Lisa Sun and I banded together, both of our businesses started, you know, yeah. they, they are, uh, she does um, amazing women's workwear and I do uh, gifting, reusable gift wrap and uh, both of our businesses collapsed during COVID. I mean, it is so scary to go from sales to actually negative sales because during yeah. the first month, people are returning things because they don't need to, they don't need work clothes. They don't need these, uh, you know, a, a gift wrap that you're presenting to people face-to-face because -face, there is no face-to-face. -face. Right. Uh, and yeah, during that moment um, to sort of uh, create masks that, were fun and whimsical, you know, and I used to try to smile more with my eyes. Like I look like a crazy person. I feel like my smile is thicker. <laughs> You're somebody who does that too, yeah. but to sort of try to express yourself without the bottom side of your face is <laughs> really tricky, which is why it was fun to do masks with ducks and penguins. And, you know, I think uh, uh, while it was a, a serious moment, what can we do to continue to have confidence that we can make joy? Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more, and 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 I know the story, and I think it's it's wonderful because uh, you again you, you come back to a common theme connection. You, you and Lisa connected during that moment, and and you continued to move through it together. It's so funny. Uh, 
Lisa, Lisa and I last night were texting each other and it was the week before because I, two weeks ago, I'm like, did you watch Ted Lasso? That was my text to her. <laughs> and the reason for it is Ted Lasso had the, the second to the last episode was all about the inner child. And that's yeah. something that Lisa talks about. Right. And then, yes. Yeah. And then last night she's like, are you, did you watch Ted Lasso? She sends me a text and I'm like, I'm watching it now. And there's a piece in there where they talk about finding your gravitas. Uh, yes. but, but, but even something like that, the reason I'm pointing it out, it's a connection for us. You know, Ted Lasso becomes the connection point for us because we both said we were Ted Lasso fans. And then as I'm watching it, I'm thinking of her because it's like, oh my God, it's the inner child. It's what she talked about. And yet those pieces, I, I think, and, and maybe I'm, I, 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 well, I know I am, I'm, I'm the odd one that I'm always looking for things in a little bit of a different way. But even doing something like that, Jane, that's my relaxation. Me watching Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't watch something heavy in the evenings, but every evening I'm watching something that's more light and, and kind of refreshing. And I call it mindless TV because uh, it's yeah. just pure enjoyment at that point. And those kind of shows I like that and Miss Maisel. And I'm just irritated <laughs> that both of them ended. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, no, I need to figure uh, out what's going to be the next one. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love all of the leadership lessons too. And Ted Lasso, you know, I yeah. kind of think that it is, there is uh, so much about you know, uh, uh, wouldn't it be great if every company was was run that way? It strikes me that you're a little bit like that, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, having um, the 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 all the collective be bigger than the the yeah. sum of its parts, and um, and in a in a thoughtful way, I actually really love Rebecca as an entrepreneur because it, she is real. Um, and, but she is also, you know, that those moments she has with Keely, like they are women, which is really great for me to see. And I'm sure all the girls and women out there that it is, uh, you know, they can, they can do that. Oh my gosh, like squealy moment together, but also be very serious and good at their jobs, building billion dollar enterprises. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so yeah, I think there's a, um, while being human and making, you know, just doing the best they can every day. Um, and uh, uh, so I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I go to Ted Lasso first for uh, sort of that emotional yeah. <laughs> learning too. It's, it's fun to have it be fun and meaningful and impactful. Oh, I, I I was extremely emotional two episodes ago. That whole inner child episode was one of the most beautifully um, played out pieces I've seen on TV. <laughs> and I mean that because th there were a couple of pieces going on and I don't want to be a spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. So, but there's a couple of moments going on where everybody is on their journey to find themselves and they it all comes to a head at that same point in that same episode and the yeah. way they tied them all together to your point it was uplifting it was emotional and and it was funny because uh, Lisa and I were going back because when she saw her inner child to your point Rebecca was about to go into a room full of men billionaires you know and and Lisa said she was about to go into a room full of men and I said remember it was a specific type of male and it mm. was older billionaire males, because I said, the one thing I want to point out in finding your supporters is part of Rebecca's tribe is Ted Lasso and Higgins. Yes. We, no, we forget I... that, that she has her community no, is broad no. in that regard, because they're the exactly. right men that want to support her, help her. And Ted, every day coming in with her little biscuits to say, hey, boss, 
I love that moment every morning. Like, hey, boss. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting because they're they are reporting into her. But I would say too that my all of my most important mentors were men because yeah. when I was coming through corporate life there weren't that many senior women. And so uh, that is a big piece of advice that I love to give younger people is that when I was young, I used to think that I had to find a mentor who looked exactly like me. And I do think representation is important that the rich Asians and just seeing Asian people in the world is is important. Um, At the same time, I was looking for, you know, a Korean American woman who was an immigrant who had kids. I wanted to see my life played out and then that would be my mentor. But that was such a limiting way to approach the world that actually everyone has a piece, you know, and it's not about walking up to people and saying, uh, will you be my mentor? I actually feel like you can make people your mentor and they don't have to know it. Exactly. (laughs) You can learn things from people. And I, I think the most important thing, the thing that I try to give people that my most important mentors gave to me is that they took me seriously as a professional. Right. So uh, one of my mentors um, was Steve Gunby, who was the head of BCG North America. And he was somebody who was so serious that when he, I'd see his phone uh, number come up on my phone. Like one time as a grown woman, I fell out of my chair. I was so <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, he thought fast. He was just a, a, a brilliant, um, you know, leader and uh, and business kind of uh, uh, somebody who could cut through all the noise and see to the heart of the matter. And so it was really hugely meaningful to me that he took me seriously as a professional. You know, so I think sometimes uh, I know that we all live a little bit with imposter syndrome and definitely when you're an immigrant, you kind of think, you know, I went into my first office building thinking, I don't know how to act here. You know, I thought I had to be serious and wear my, I went to Ann Taylor back in the day and got my suit and I walked in and I didn't smile and I just worked hard and, uh, and my review kind of said, hey, you know, Jane is like competent, but uh, like milk toast or something. <laughs> it was nicer than that. But that was point. <laughs> and I realized, wow, like uh, I didn't have a work voice. I had this yeah. facade of what I thought I was doing. I was playing a professional and uh, acting it out, not really believing in myself that I was making a contribution. So the first person who took me seriously and and sort of listened and said, hey, you know, you can do this and I want to hear what you think. That was big. So I try to do that for other people, but also encourage people to do that for others. And anybody can be your mentor. You don't have to ask. You can just decide to learn from someone. And there can be bits and pieces that you take from everyone you come across. It was a, a big um, helpful thing back from in my consulting days too, is that you could show up to a client and they don't know who you were before. So you could try different communication strategies, all really to find my voice. And that did take a while, you know, to, to come into a work environment and know uh, who you are and how, you know, to trust that your sense of humor, that your warmth, that you don't have to hide that away, that actually it's 
your superpower. You have to be you in order to connect to your strength and to do your best work that to be camouflaged or to be uh, trying to be somebody else is such a huge harm to do to yourself. And it's a huge way to clip your wings. And it's such a heavy weight to carry. I, you know, it's, it's one of the things I always share with people. If, if they can't appreciate you for who you are, they're not going to appreciate the fake you. <laughs> so by the way, you're wasting yeah, a lot yeah. of effort and energy to bring, to bring <laughs> you. That's a great bring... other approach to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really mean that. Is yeah. if if you're being fake, by the time you you become real, they the, if the only reason they're appreciating you is because of the fake you, it's done you no good. Yeah, <laughs> because and it's so exhausting, right? It's so exhausting to have that mask and yeah. to be able to to be presenting something that that you're not. And I think some of the time it's because we don't understand uh, the the power of who we are. And mm-hmm. some of the time it's because we think that the way to be successful is to look and act like this. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and you know, everything that I've seen in my life, and I've now been in rooms with Fortune 100 CEOs and they, you know, for everyone who's listening, let me tell you, CEOs, they're just like us. They are. <laughs> There are people who don't have a rule book who are doing the best they can, who, you know, are are smart, but also have lots of other people around them. And it is, uh, that was a big revelation and maybe that was sort of uh, an, um, a naivete. But once I realized like, look, everybody is human and just trying to do their own, doing the best they can. It's such a, a freedom that comes with that. I have a cousin who works at NASA is a rocket scientist. And I love that he says rock, even rocket science, isn't rocket science. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's just like, you know, you show up for work every day, you do your best, you do your little part of this thing. And it's about what meaning you find uh, for that work in your life. And no matter where you are in the system, you have the ability to make the meaning of your own life. I, I love that. Um, and, and Jane, I, I think we should stop there because that is such a, I mean, seriously, anything I'm going to go on now is just going to mess that up <laughs> because that that was like so perfectly said because I what you just pointed out is the responsibilities with me to find my happiness. It's not everybody else's. Um, I have to find that. And that's what we started this with is me finding the pieces that make me happy. And the one thing I didn't mention is, you know, I love Winnie the Pooh. Why do I love Winnie the Pooh? Because <laughs> okay, it's who's impossible. Your favorite? We have to, now we have to end with who's your favorite character? Okay. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, and, and, and like, t- it, it depends on the moment. I, I, I like them all, but it's Tigger. Uh, I, I think Tigger and his uh, energy is just, he looks at the world and he just wants to play. But Winnie the Pooh, I mean this because everything is so calm with him. And the, when things happen badly, what do you hear him say? Oh, bother. <laughs> that, that's, that's about as emotional as he gets. And his his happiness is he just wants a jar of honey. He just needs to go find a jar of honey and he's going to be great. But the characters are amazing. They're still my favorite. Um, it's neat that my kids know that. So my granddaughter has Winnie the Pooh everywhere now, you know, clothes yeah. and that. And they, they always appreciate that. But I, I tell people, I used to, I read a book a long time ago. It was called The Tao of Pooh. And yes, it was about I the wisdom that. around Winnie the yes. Pooh. And um, I, I, when you see the images that I post, you know, online and I, I tell people all the time, it's, it's impossible to look at Winnie the Pooh and not smile. 
And it's, <laughs> and it's the only reason I do that. And that brings me great joy because it reminds me we need to look at the world a little bit different, you know? And, and Eeyore, I mean, he's one of my favorite characters because he makes me laugh. Everything with Eeyore <laughs> is such a downer, you know? And everybody else around Pooh is kind of popping them up. So who's your favorite Pooh character? Uh, I think I aspire to be Pooh, but you know, to just <laughs> this all together though, one thing that uh, like, I love that Ted Lasso thing, um, be the goldfish, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so be Pooh, be the goldfish. I aspire to that. <laughs> <laughs> the um, For everyone listening, what you just said that it was about the collective, the collective effort in Ted Lasso, the very ending of Ted Lasso will tell you that's true. <laughs> and it's about the book that was being written uh, by the writer this past season. But again, I don't want to be a spoiler, but um, when you see it, you'll know it. And it's exactly what you said. And I think it's um, it's a wonderful message for everybody that we're, we're all connected and we're all in this together. So if you haven't helped somebody today, go help somebody today. That's what we should be doing. J well, Jane. thanks for being such a joyful inspiration on how to find joy in things. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. And thank you for being a part of our family. Um, I feel blessed that we got to meet each other and that now you're part of the family. So <laughs> I, I, I promise to be a pain in your butt and to uh, keep in touch um, and to make sure we have many more dialogues because this could have gone, it felt like it could have gone for another hour easily. <laughs> uh, and maybe, maybe we'll do it again and we'll bring you back again. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great day, Jen. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Meeting Room, presented by Associated Luxury Hotels International. Alhai is a global sales and marketing organization representing the finest luxury hotels, cruise lines, and destination management companies. For the latest industry news and to see Alhai's robust portfolio, follow us on LinkedIn and check out our website at alhi.com. To learn more about Jane, visit the Toki website at tokki.com. Today's podcast was sponsored by Intercontinental Miami, an elegant and expansive city hotel offering 135,000 square feet of total meeting space, 653 luxury guest rooms, numerous dining outlets, and full-service spa. Debuting soon, the hotel's freshly updated guest rooms and suites are inspired by their surroundings, stunning Atlantic ocean views in one direction, vibrant and iconic skyline panoramas in the other.